horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, the weekend is here, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby. The Oaks card is Friday. The Derby card Saturday. Later in the show, I'll be giving you the schedule so you'll know where to find those races on television. Uh, with us this evening uh, to cover uh, both uh, the Oaks and the Derby will be uh, Ed Meyer. Of course, Ed's a... Uh, probably been the most regular guest on this show but people love him he loves doing it and i got to admit ed bails me out a lot in the middle of the winter when there's hardly any good racing and you know the feature races at arapahoe park <laughs> i'm like ed i'm gonna bring you in on the big races too man so uh, uh ed's gonna be helping us and then uh we're gonna see what's happening out in las vegas uh, with Rich Ng, uh, as you know, he's a writer for Las Vegas Review and the Daily Racing Forum, and uh, he has a book he dedicated to me called Handicapping for Dummies. Rich has been a regular on the show, and I've known him for about 25 years. So those are our, our two guests. Now, at Winning Ponies, guys... <clears throat> If it's free, it's for me. We got a free Kentucky Derby contest. By the way, we do not post the winners in case you owe people money and you win it. So come on over to winningponies.com. Get on there. You just come on over. You'll know when the deadline is, obviously, you know, uh, an hour or so before the Derby. Uh, but we're going to give you 150 bucks if you come in on top. Second place, uh, 100 winning credits. Now, the winning credits you can be used for winning ponies, easy win forms. And then third place is 75, fourth 50, fifth 30. If you go to sixth and seventh, uh, 25, and the closest final time is 25. So free winning ponies content. And, of course, with all the big races, remember, these big days, the pools are huge. So you don't have to be afraid about making a big bet. It's not going to change the odds. I got news for you. And, uh, but we, we had some, uh, good winners this last week, all over the country, Indiana, we had a uh, pick four of the pay 2100 Charlestown, $1,100 super. Uh, that was a $1 super. And, uh, while they're racing up there, Arlington park, 20 cent super five paid 1,094 and on the East coast, Monmouth park, 20 cent pick six. Just over a thousand dollars. All right, so you got the easy win forms, you got the free Kentucky Derby contest, all that's happening over at winningponies.com. Well, we'll get a little bit of ahead of ourselves. Do we, of course, now know there will be no spectators uh, at the Kentucky Derby, and it has been announced this week that there will be no spectators at Preakness 145. And uh, so, uh, you know, just, uh, again, you know, protecting uh, everybody and 
<clears throat> of course, the backstretch workers, the gate crew, and the jockeys, they all know what their restrictions are. Uh, and most of the tracks have been doing very, very well with that. Although, sad to say this week, um, gentlemen we had on the show three weeks ago, Brian Hernandez uh, came up with a COVID-positive test. Uh, and so he won't be riding for about 14 days. And even sadder than that, Art Collector, the horse he was hoping to win the Kentucky Derby with has been scratched. It was about two weeks ago. We had trainer Tommy Drury on with us and, uh, it's just, it's heartbreaking. You know, we, if you listen to the interview with Tom, uh, you know that this is a guy that's been scrapping in the game for 30 years. He's worked his way up. He's had a lot of success with the, the top people in the sport. Uh, he's the cover story on Trainer Magazine this quarter. And just a super, super guy. And I always told everybody, hey, here's a guy who's been flying under the radar. Well, he's not under the radar anymore because he was national news for the whole week. Everybody was eating up his interviews and his openness, his honesty, his sincerity. And uh, Art Collector is just fine, by the way. Uh, but uh, he, he caught himself on his left front uh, with his back foot, and 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 he clipped it. And uh, he's already he's already back on track. Uh, but they had to give him an anti-inflammatory that would not be out of his system before the Kentucky Derby. So even though he's treated and he's probably fine now, as long as he can. Uh, it, that he's taken that anti-inflammatory, uh, he would not be able to run in, in the Kentucky Derby. It's just so sad because uh, it was just such a great, great story. Uh, Art Collector and Drury and Brian and what a great team. Owner Bruce Lunsford, just a real heartbreaker, folks. But hopefully we'll get to see him on television at the Preakness, but there will be no spectators at the Preakness. NBC is going to air it from 4.30 uh, to 6. So uh, you'll get to watch it on TV or whatever outlet you like to use. Um, here's something uh, I just pulled down. Uh, as much as uh, there's not going to be that Kentucky Derby feel, and you've got to admit, there's really not much of a Kentucky Derby feel to this week it's just it doesn't happen this time of year uh the build-up is different the media attention is different it's limited although the people that are down there are doing a great job especially my good friend jenny reese but uh anyhow now they're, they're wondering should they even play my old kentucky home i know the lyrics have been changed uh there there were some concerns that it was somewhat uh uh I'll say discriminatory for lack of a better word, uh, but it, it, it's been playing for, you know, I don't know, a hundred years. And uh, so that while they haven't committed that pretty much in everything I've heard that uh, the, it, it, it's, it's going to be on air. So uh, tune in, tune in uh, and uh, we will find out because all of the jockeys, they tell you when you step on the track and you can hear, well, a lot of times it's the, it's the University of Louisville marching band uh, play uh, my old Kentucky home. It's just uh, it's it's moving. You get the chills. I've been there to, to feel it. All right. Real quick. Uh Last week, we had Tom Law and Tom Lamara. Tom Law helped us with the races at Saratoga. Uh, the grade one sword dancer, 
half a million on the line, and the winner was trainer Billy Mott with Channel Maker. This horse has just been grinding it out throughout his career. Has now won over two point four million dollars. Manny Franco is up. He'll be up on a nice horse on Saturday by the name of Tis the Law. I think some people are going to be betting in the uh, in the in the Sword Dancer. And the second spot was cross-border. By the way, the Ortiz brothers are electing to stay in New York. You won't see them in any of the Kentucky races this week. They didn't want to, uh, because of the quarantine with the COVID, uh, they wouldn't be able to get right back on a plane and fly back. And they've got a lot of commitments on the East Coast. So the Ortiz brothers, who are our one, two leading riders in the country will not be there, but they will be in New York. And uh, in the third spot in the Sword Dancer was aquaphobia uh then the forego that's a great one three hundred thousand there and the, the winner in there was win 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 last to first wow widest of all with heavy heavy a castellano in the saddle just came flying was still last when they turned for home at the quarter pole had to go 10 wise and win 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 got the job done uh, over complexity who had the lead and in the uh the third spot was uh true timber then we go to the grade two amsterdam uh the winner in there keep an eye on this horse undefeated now out of the asmussen barn and uh the Yupon uh, is he's a three-year-old, so we're going to see where this horse uh, ends up. God, he's by Uncle Mo. It seems like every time I, I, I pull something up, it's uh, Uncle Mo, Uncle Mo, Uncle Mo. They're they're just burning it up. Uh, Yupon uh, beat Basin, who was on the Derby Trail, but decided to go back to sprinting the Amsterdam a six furlong race. And uh, boy, it rained up there, but they still kept the graded stakes on the grass. It was very, very soft. And the winner of the Saranac Stakes was Bye Bye Melvin, 19 to 1, gets up by a head over Don Juan Kitten, who tried his best to wire the field. Geez, Kitten Turf. Yeah, Kitten's Joy. Bye bye, Melvin. By who? Uncle Mo. Beautiful ride by Johnny V, John Velasquez. And then Tom Lamar was on the road with the uh, races at the Charlestown. And uh, this one, there's no big standout in here, but the winner, he became the late favorite. From 10 to 1 down to 5 to 2. What did they know? Sleepy Eyes Todd won by eight lengths. It was the biggest winning margin in the Charlestown Classic history. Uh, uh, and uh, so congratulations to the connections of Sleepy Eyes Todd. Pluku Parfait, 25 to 1, was second. And in the third spot was Running to Love You at 25 to 1. So uh, the favorite over two long shots got it done there. And then the Charlestown Oaks, that's a grade three. The winner, Fly On Angel, went wire to wire. Uh, apparently was tired, but held on. And uh, it went from uh, claimer status, was claimed out of its last race. And then gets up, and now the horse is a grade three winner. And then uh, Dance to Bristol was a $150,000 race at seven furlongs. And the winner of that one was Queen Nakia. All right, that was last week's races. Back to some of the things that are going to be happening uh, this this weekend. Now, the Oaks is going to be tomorrow. And... Um, 
let me try to get the schedule here for you. So you can see there's going to be a lot of uh, viewing uh, available for you. And uh, I know I put it in the script someplace here. Bear with me, please, as I scroll. Here we go. Uh, okay. Tomorrow, Friday, um, the race is going to start early. Don't forget, 11 o'clock is going to be the first race uh, at Churchill Downs. But uh, NBCSN is going to start picking up, picking up the stakes action at 3 o'clock. That's NBCSN will be picking it up. Okay, so uh, the race is tomorrow. Uh, all NBCSN, uh, the Kentucky Oaks is scheduled to go off at 545. Then... As we're looking on uh, September 5th, day before my derby, Kentucky Derby Day, and uh, I meant the day before my birthday, if you want to send a card. Anyhow, um, <clears throat> they're going to start airing this. Well, it's going to start, too, at 11 o'clock, but that'll all be Fox Sports 1, okay? So the races will be on Fox Sports 1 right up until the 7th race. It'll move quickly over to Fox Sports 2, and then on a national basis, uh, NBC will pick up things with the eighth race uh, and starting at uh, three o'clock. So pretty much from three all the way through the Derby at 7.02, uh, you'll be able to get this on national television on NBC. So they're making it easy for you uh, to check it out. So that's a look at the menu for Friday and Saturday. I'm pumped up. I hope you are too. And I'm pumped up about my guest today, starting with a man I admire. That's right. My main man, Ed Meyer. He's coming up with us. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. 
All right. And with me, Morning Line Odds Maker, Racing Office Employee, Track Announcer, you name it, he's done it. He's even called the Rat Races uh, at, uh, I think, Ludlow, Kentucky, which was a tradition on Oaks Day. I, I know that tradition has passed, but uh, nonetheless, Ed, you're with us tonight, and uh, we won't be watching any rats the next two days from Churchill. Well, that's for sure, John. Hey, happy Derby Day as we're coming upon, and more importantly, happy birthday. I'm going to sing a birthday special to you, but not right now. That I promise you, I think you'll appreciate, but happy birthday in advance, my friend. Thank you very much. I still feel like a kid. I'm, I'm happy about that. But uh, Well, you hey, act like, like one. I, <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, good weather. So we're going to have uh, firm turf, a uh, sunny day, not too hot. Uh, it's, it would have been a great day to beat the Derby, but none of us will. Uh, but nonetheless, um, it, it all kicks off with the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, let, let's start with the big races and then we'll work our way back. Um, uh, you know, uh, sure. There's a lot of talent in here, but, uh, l- let's face it. The Oaks, I believe comes down to two horses and that's Swiss skydiver and Gamine, if I'm saying your race well, I think speech is going to get action in there too. The thing I like about Swiss Skydiver, not only because she's trained by our friend Ken McPeak, is that she's got a little more experience at distance. Now, she's not as explosive, but she's got more seasoning than Gamine, um, and she's got more distance experience, and she's already won and run a good race in second at Churchill Downs. Uh, How do you see the Oaks shaking out? You know, when I saw, I assume Mike Pataglia is still doing the morning line. I'm just assuming. And in fact, uh, if if it is, incredible. I think they, they, whoever did this, did a a masterful job here. John, I love Swiss Skydiver. Enlighten me. I do not have the odds in front of me. So what did he do? Okay, Swiss Skydiver is eight to five. And Swiss Skydiver is eight to five, and Gamine is even money. So you you pretty much you called it out right there. You've got two speedsters, but the angle on Swiss Skydiver is a lot deeper. Go back two races ago against the Bluegrass against Art Collector. There was right. the possibility that Swiss Skydiver was going to try her hand against the boys in the Derby. You're going to cut back from a mile and a quarter to a mile and an eighth. Everything looks perfect for Swiss Skydiver. Two for two, a win in a second from two starts. I really like that. What I'm looking at, the version that I'm looking at, I, I, I'm seeing the, the speed figure numbers are off the charts for Swiss Skydiver. Yes. Gamine, a monster in her own right. And from Bob Baffert's barn, you, you can't squabble with anything that she's done. She's perfect. She's, she only won by a neck, three back. But, I mean, to win the acorn, to win the test, and did it impressively. I'm going to call distance to be a factor into this one here, and I think I'm going to give the nod to Swiss Skydiver. Of these two, John, because the exactness paints so well on these two days, I'm using these two. I, I'm, I'm split right down the middle. It's like pick your favorite ice cream, and I can't. But what I can do is I can throw a price in there to hopefully complement, and that's number three, Donna Veloce. Uh-huh. 15 to 1, Ricardo Santana for Simon Callahan. Four for four lifetime, two wins and two seconds. 
And if you go back to November 1, 2019, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, was the 2-1 to one favorite just off of a maiden break and lost by a neck. She has done very little wrong. And I think we're going to see a maturing filly by Okomo here that could actually complement that exacta, your try, your superfecta. Who knows? You may even get the right pace set up where Donna Veloce is a bit of a stalking presence that can lay about mid-pack, anywhere from fourth, fifth, sixth, right there in mid-pack, and, and just pounce if the pace falls apart. So I'm going to use the two that actually, to me, I agree with you completely. I mean, it's like splitting hairs. It's picking your favorite kid, your favorite beer, your favorite ice cream. I can't. I can make five cases for both. So what I opted to do was to find that price to maybe, A, upset the apple cart, or B, complement one of the two. And I, and I think I'm going to go with Donna Veloce, especially at 15 to 1. I think that's, that's a really good number there, John. This is going to complement my 50-cent tries, my, my dime supers. I, I'm, really going to, I'm really going to be looking forward to this race. All right. Well, uh, I've heard the old phrase, you're going to bet them, you got to box them. This might be a race to do it in. Um, oh, now, in fact. Under, underneath that, I told you, I, I told you it, 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 it's your pick underneath. So give us some uh, input on what you like or have found on the undercard that's been attractive to you. In that, and actually, as no matter how many times we print it out, we, we, we have our, our information right at hand, and I'm scrolling back, and I'm, and I'm trying to find my horse, and I'm coming right upon it here. And I, I really combed over the card. Now, tomorrow, I'm really going to do a lot of in-depth fine, fine-tuning. But in the sixth race, it's an optional plating 80000 Now, every race, you can't have the grade one winner. You can't have a $100,000 non-graded stake winner. But I'll tell you what I've got here in the sixth race is a little runner by the name of Mojo Man, who's 10 to 1. Tyler Gaffleyoon for James DeVito. DeVito's one for one at, at Churchill Downs. And this Geldis, son of Stay Thirsty, is four for six in the money. One of my favorite layoffs. Third time off of a layoff, John. Go back two races ago. It was Keeneland, optional claiming 150000 Last time out at optional claiming 62 at Arlington Park over the poly track, wins handily, split horses, and really did a yeoman's test that day. And one of my favorite angles, and a lot of people really, unless you've really been around a lot of the poly track or synthetic, I love synthetic coming back to dirt. And I think Tyler G is probably one of the most underrated riders in the country. He's super. And everyone recognizes his 18% winning throughout the nation. But I think this guy is really going to stand up here, especially in the undercard. I've caught his name a few times, and it keeps coming back to me. It's like Tyler G, Tyler Gaffley. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you who headed me up to this guy was Pete Aiello. And yeah. it seemed like it was 100 years ago. And I said to Pete, hey, this guy's going to be pretty good. And he was a bug rider. And he said, Ed, this guy's going to be very good. I remember him telling me the same thing. Now, Ed, let's go back to the horse's name. You've only mentioned it once in the sixth race on the undercard. Sixth race, number two, Mojo Man. See, they named it after you. And, there you go, man. I got my G. Mojo working. <laughs> you got your mojo. You got your mojo working, my man. I, that last race on the synthetic at Arlington was, was enough for me. And it was really impressive. I liked the synthetic back to the dirt, and is a closing sort and can lay off the pace here. I like the way Tyler G. fits. 
I think a 10 to 1 is a really generous price. And the version of information I'm looking at has Mojo Man actually in the, in the power figures third in the entire field. This is a 10 to 1 shot. And the best part, third off of a layoff, James DeVito wins 25% of the time. It kind of fits well, all of my angles and the price. Ed, I need you to help me. I've, I've been working on my pick threes and pick fours and stuff, and I see a couple standouts and a few races that I like. But the the race I'm struggling with is the 10th race, uh, the Grade 2 Alley Sheba. It's a mile and a 16th uh, main track. Of course, McKenzie's probably the headliner in there, and I, I'm just trying to see who else you like in the Alley Sheba if you had a chance to uh, digest that. You know, I, I've kind of combed over it, and I didn't see a lot of sparkling value because McKenzie just kept popping up in my face like a firework. It was like, oh, my goodness, I think we've got something special here. But then again, I kept coming back to Owendale, and Owendale's uh, two for four over the track. Brad Cox, uh, who knows Churchill Downs better than Brad Cox. Florent Giroux, who's got a proven track record. Last race was in the Stephen Foster grade, too. It was only four to one that day. This this dude has fought up against McKenzie a few times. Now, there's been some good days, and there's been some bad days. But this is why you're going to get 6-1 to one on Owendale, if not higher. And yeah, I'm willing to speed. seek out a price. Yeah, he's going to need speed up front. I think another horse that I like in here, Ed, is by my standards. I think you got something there, John. Brett Calhoun, 2-3 for three at Churchill. One of my favorite angles, third star off a layoff. I just wish it was higher than seven to five, you know, on the morning line. Oh, is that what he is? See, again, I have no odds in front Seven to five. And, well, you know, my, my great I mean, fear is you're going to get a lot shorter. You know, I mean, he's only raced 11 times. He's got five wins, four seconds, and a third. That, that you know, this year, uh, you know, five starts, three wins, and two seconds. Uh, has a, two close calls at, at Churchill and uh, loves the distance. Um, I, I keep going back to that uh, that race. I do find it interesting that the Ortiz brothers elected to stay on the East Coast rather than come out here and have to be in jockey jail for 10 days. Well, I'm, I have to admit, maybe in between races, I'm going to be perusing. And uh, I, I hate to say it, I, I'd love to see them at Churchill Downs, but uh, if they're staying in Saratoga, uh, financially, I might be just as happy because uh, they're 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 already a formidable presence. I mean, but when you take away all the supporting role players that can jump up and bite at any time, makes their day a little bit easier. I, I'm I'm I've taken a glance at New York, and I think I think there's a good day on tap for the boys. Well, and, let's stay, let's I mean, stay it, at Churchill. There, let's it, stay in your lane, Ed. Stay in your lane. Stay in all your right. lane. Okay. All right. I, uh, a a very popular race caller uh, phrase, as you well know, is put a ring around. And I think we can put a ring around Monomoy girl in the 11th race, the La Troyanne grade one, half a million. What do you think? You might have a pretty good line there. Uh, maybe you might get the uh, the opportunity to, to put it into play. Monomoy Girl's four to five, and she's every bit of it. She's had five starts, four wins, and a second from Churchill Downs. And let's see, wow, we, I, I, I didn't even went back that far. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We're looking for 10th race in a row. Monomoy Girl, I, I think you've got a single there. 
Yeah, I do. I do. Again, now we said we said the tenth is tough. Uh, McKinsey, Owendale, and, and and by my standards. So let's go in reverse while we still got some time. And uh, the Edgewood, we're going a mile on the turf. My ex is by a three-year-old filly by the name of Sharing. Yes. What what made you go for Sharing, if I may ask? Um, well, the fact that uh, it's only raced six times in her life, four wins, a second, and a third. <laughs> yeah, that that would be about enough to sell the uh, sell the coat. I, I I agree with you there, and and you know, uh, two, I, I was... two of those wins at a mile on the uh, no two of those wins a mile on the turf, and then just went over to Ascot, you know what the competition's like over there, and ran second in the grade one coronation, extremely prestigious race. Oh, it is. And and what I remember seeing it was it was a very, very nice effort. It's really hard to slider this daughter of Spitestown six to five. And and I think as I said, whoever really did the morning line on this, it is incredible. It's like spec on. And it's not just identifying the the six to five shot or the or the favorite. That that may be the easier part. It's trying to make it all come together. I think six to five is actually pretty fair. If you get anywhere near that, I say go to the well and go with both hands and as your old favorite saying reach in the jeans and pull out the greens and uh and come out with both hands on sharing if you get anywhere near six to five all right well we got a little bit of time left i do believe uh let's continue in reverse the uh eight bells grade two going seven furlongs i love that distance um i came up with two in here Again, I'm talking about my pick threes and pick fours, and I'm, I'm sure I'm master of the obvious again. Uh, Monday call and four graces. I really don't. I really don't think that you know you're you're out of you're out of sorts there. I, I don't think that you're you're out of it at all. A runner that kind of caught my attention was Sconson. Now, Wisconsin six to one, James Graham for Greg Foley. I've always been a big fan of Greg Foley and comes out of the Audubon Oaks, had a very nice, a very nice third place finish. And if you go back and take a look at the PPs, his face both ran second and third against the two horses that you actually mentioned. This is a nice filly by include, by include, uh, Greg Foley. As I said, I've always been a big fan and especially at Churchill and James Graham in town. I, I really think is a big Plus, I like Wisconsin at six to one. At some point, you're going to have to break away from. You're going to have to find that 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 vulnerable six to five shot. And Monday call to me looks like this is to me look like this is the one that I got to call out. Now, even though you're looking for four in a row and last race by seven and a quarter lengths in the Audubon Oaks, but then Wisconsin came out of the same race. And and I'm and I'm very pleased with it. It wasn't enough to you know set the set the world on fire. But Wisconsin ran enough race there to actually show me some promise. Two for three in the money at the distance, and one for two at Churchill. I think James Graham's going to come highballing here. And if there's a any type of pace meltdown, watch out. This kid can fly. And I think you know James Graham from back at Riverdance. I was going to say trivia time. At what track did James Graham win his first race? <laughs> uh, I, if, if I had to guess, it was either that or he, when he when he got his first tattoo and asked your uh, permission on that one. No, he told me not to show his mother, and I got it published <laughs> in the Thoroughbred Times. 
he had a he so he wins his first race at Riverdown. So I go back in the jocks room, for, you know, hey, this guy from Ireland, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. And so I I looked and he was getting ready to take a shower and he had his undershirt on. He had this really cool Breeders' Cup tattoo. And I said, hey James, you mind if I take a photo of that? He goes, no, go ahead. He says, just make sure me mum doesn't see it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I sent out a press release. Like yesterday. <laughs> a couple days later, there it is in the third. I believe it was the Thoroughbred Times. He's like, "Hey, thanks a lot, pal." <laughs> Me mom has seen it. Well, Ed, that pretty much closes out our segment with with uh, a minute to post. Uh, a- any parting words that you have for Oaks and Derby Day? You know, with this, stick to your knitting, as a good friend of mine once told me. This is a day where if you're not a pick-six player, don't become one on this day. It is, it's truly, truly grueling. And pick your spots. You don't have to play every race. There might be a pick-four, pick-five, and we understand that. But stick to your knitting. You don't have to play every race and every, every single heat. And you know what? And find a few that actually t- kind of tickle your fancy, especially the ones that are 6 and 10 to 1 chats. All right, folks. Great advice from a great handicapper, Ed Meyer. Ed, I'll be in touch with you over the next couple of days. Uh, thanks a lot for gracing our airwaves again. My pleasure, John. Best of luck to your listeners. Have a happy Derby Day. All right, that was Ed Meyer, and on deck next, we're going to get the inside view from Las Vegas from none other than Rich Eng. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? 
Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. And Richard Ng, who uh, pops up everywhere. The Daily Racing Forum, the Las uh, Vegas uh, Review Journal. Uh, of course, he's the author of Handicapping for Dumber, Dummies. And Rich, I think you still do a show with uh, an old buddy you introduced me years ago when you used to bring us on the media team for the Spiral Stakes. Yeah, uh, Ralph Sirocco is is an old friend of mine. Uh, actually, I met him, John, back in uh, 1985 because uh, I was working at the uh, brand-new Garden State Park, and we hired Ralph as our track announcer. And then uh, to, to skip to uh, Ralph started a radio show in 1998, and I was uh, uh, his first correspondent. I was actually working at Monmouth Park in the Meadowlands at the time. And then uh, I moved to Las Vegas for the Las Vegas Review Journal, and I've been on the show for more than 20 years, but that's Ralph Sirocco, and uh, I'm still on the show. I'm, so if people want to tune in, uh, the uh, station that's on is KSHP 1400 in Las Vegas. You can just Google that up and listen to it in the mornings, but uh, Ralph's been on continuously since 1998. Now, uh, when will you be on You know, featuring the Oaks and the Derby? Well, you know, we, we've actually touched upon it. Uh, I was on the show this morning, but we'll we'll talk about it some more tomorrow, and certainly on Saturday, and uh, then Sunday will be the the review of what happened and, and and moving forward. Actually, it's hard to say this there. It's amazing to say this. Moving on to the Preakness, <laughs> the next step of the Triple Crown. <laughs> it is. It. Is I mean you know uh, the biggest heartbreaker for me is a guy I've got to be friends with over the years when he uh, was stabled at River Downs was uh, the defection of uh, art collector uh, trainer Tommy Drury uh, that that was a heartbreaker because he was kind of the feel good story of the Derby I thought yeah you know Tom is uh, one person I, I never had a chance to meet when uh, I was back at Turfway Park and living in Kentucky. But I've heard so many nice things about him from different people. So, you know, when, when people pay their dues in this sport, John, and the, you know, you, you have and I have, and then you have, you know, the kind of success that he's had. He's like a Johnny come lately after how many, how many decades. You really feel good about him. You're right about that. It's a good, good story. And knock on wood, if this horse is ready to go in the Preakness, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see him there. Yeah, he's already up a gallop and everything. It's just that because they had to treat him with an anti-inflammatory, it was just five days out from the Derby, and because of the testing uh, rules, uh, the horse can't have it in the system. So mm-hmm. the horse is fine. You know, he just grabbed himself on the front left, uh, you know, and it wasn't that bad. But it is what it is, and uh, like Tommy says, he says, the horse can't talk. So I have to be his voice, and we're going to pass. You better be 110% on Derby Day. So, you know, like a like all the really good trainers, he he did the thing that's right by the horse. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll start with Derby and work our way over to Oaks uh, as as time allows. But uh, you know, I I've been watching him since he was two. I'm sure you have also. Tis the law is a monster, and he has been managed perfectly to the second by Barclay Tag, 
I really thought one of his best races was the, was the Kentucky Jockey Club, the only race he was beat in. If you go back and watch that race, I know it was last year, but he was put into a pocket probably three times during that race, and he never stopped. It was his first time at a new track, getting hit in the face with slop, and he just showed so much guts and grit that day. I said, that's my derby horse. And since then, he's d- done nothing but reel off four consecutive graded stakes races, including the prestigious, and this sounds weird, Belmont Stakes, <laughs> followed by <laughs> the Travers Stakes. Are you kidding me? And I'm sure you saw the way he won those races. I mean, he's a monster. Yeah, he's been super impressive. And, uh, you know, I've been reading a, a couple of stories that were written about the fact that after that Kentucky Jockey Club uh, there seemed to be some uh, agents calling uh, Barkley Tag, saying if he'd be interested in changing riders for the next time the horse ran. And you know, Barkley Tag uh, uh, stayed loyal to Manny Franco and in uh, the reverse, and it's paid off for them. And uh, they like to see loyalty in this sport. There's there, and actually in, in life, there's not always enough loyalty among among friends and acquaintances. But uh, they've made a fantastic team. And you, you look at his PPs. I mean, it's. Except for that one flaw in the Kentucky Jockey Club, he would be undefeated. It's something about the aura of an undefeated horse that makes people really, uh, really take even a greater shine to a racehorse when they haven't haven't lost before. Absolutely. Well, you know, we we saw where when they when they drew the post positions that it looks like all of the legitimate contenders are in 15, 16, 17, 18. I'm going to also throw a thousand words in my supers and tries. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just hard to get away from it. I think, I, all right, so let's look at the two horses I picked that are a price. Uh, New York traffic and thousand words. Are, are either of those on your ticket? Uh, not at this point, but I, I respect your opinion. <laughs> so maybe they're going to make my... Uh, the ticket, uh, the, you know, thing is when you're talking about, and this is not only for the Kentucky Derby, but when you're talking about handicapping with friends or people, acquaintances, if somebody likes a big long shot, uh, I would never denigrate that pick because, you know, prices are what you're looking for in this game. You got to try to beat favorites. If you're making vertical tickets, you got to try to put the value underneath. So, you know, I would never denigrate another guy's pick. If, you know, in fact, what I would do is, you know, you would, I would listen to what you have to say about why you like the horse in particular, and then I would make my own decisions. And so uh, that's how you learn in this game. Well, again, you know, like, all right, case for New York traffic. Authentic yeah. is made the third favorite at 8-1, to one, and Authentic lost to him by a nose in their last race, the Haskell. So, and you're mm-hmm. getting 20-1 to one on New York traffic. Now, thousand words, you've heard this a thousand times. If Baffert's got two horses in a race, you bet the horse with the longer odds. <laughs> the other Baffert has won more than uh, I, I care to admit. And uh, sometimes I'm not smart enough to always put the other Baffert on my ticket, and then I'm hitting my head up against the wall when the uh, the, the longer price Baffert beats me. <laughs> um, as far as I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll contribute to a long shot horse that, that will be on my tickets for sure. Uh, it's uh, the number two horse, Max Player. I, I think uh, some wise guys kind of like this horse. Uh, this horse making a trainer change from Linda Rice to Steve Asmussen. It's really no knock at all about uh, the work that Linda Rice has done with this horse. She's done a tremendous job with right. this horse. But it, it's kind of an interesting switch. And, you know, Steve is actually. Uh, 
had a few scenarios where he's taken what I call ready-made horses like this and actually been able to, to tweak a couple of things and, and even, you know, get them a little better. So uh, the possibility exists that this horse could improve a little bit. And if that's the case, this horse is certainly a player. And at 30 to one, you know, I'm looking like you are for horses that can run into the number. I'm, I'm not sure he's got a great chance to win the race, but he, I'm certainly looking for horses that will run into the try in the super. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, since Asmussen uh, has had the horse in a short amount of time in his uh, second to last work before the Derby, he was second of 48. Now, you know, at this time of the year, when the, those other 48 horses that are out on the track are pretty talented sons of guns. And mm-hmm. uh, it, again, you know, it could be a change in feed, could be a slight change in a bit. I noticed that uh, he's going to remain in blinkers. Uh, there will be a jock change, but he's going to his main man, Ricardo Santana. And uh, Rich, you just convinced me to throw him into my tries. <laughs> Yeah, if you look at the past performances, uh, he ran third twice to a horse called Tis the Law in the Belmont and the Travers. If he runs third uh, to Tis the Law in the Kentucky Derby, well, you've got a 30 to 1 shot in your uh, trying super right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rich Ng from Las Vegas. Uh, we're talking to him about the Derby and the Oaks. Hey, Rich, before I uh, go on to the Oaks, and then we'll look at you know some of your favorite races on the, uh, the undercard leading up to them. Um, what is the uh, what's the feel in Las Vegas right now with uh, COVID restrictions? Well, the uh, you know when the casinos reopened on uh, June fourth, they had been shut down since March seventeenth. Uh, Governor uh, Steve Sisolak did not mandate uh, masks, so there were a lot of customers, uh, even uh, the employees for the most part, wearing masks. A lot of customers were not, and all of a sudden, uh, it didn't take long for the COVID-19 positives to start spiking. So about two weeks into it, uh, he mandated everybody wearing masks and started doing tests uh, with the the heat sensors before people came in. And uh, we've actually been doing pretty well lately as far as uh, controlling the virus. Uh, People have been able to feel safe enough to come back into the casinos. I think the biggest issue right now, John, is, uh, is quite frankly on the strip because the Locals casinos are doing okay. The people like myself were chomping at the bit to get back into the casinos and the restaurants and stuff like that. The strip is really hurting because that is mostly out of state, out of town travelers. There's not that many people traveling. And, uh, you know, for that to rebound, it's going to take a lot more time. Well, you know, uh, guys like you and Rich and a few others I know that live in Vegas, uh, they say that the they don't go to the strip that the, the, the local betting emporiums are the, are the place to be. Well, that's true also. And I, I think one thing that like, for example, the strip operators did to show that uh, they don't care a whole lot about the locals action was a few years ago, they started uh, mandatory parking fees so that even if like, for example, you came to town and wanted to have lunch over at the Mirage, I'd have to pay $20 to park to come meet you. <laughs> You know, and that's oh. that's one good way to turn off locals from coming out to the strip. Yeah, but I, I've just heard that the percentage is better. Um, there are a little bit friendlier places and, and things like that. And uh, the, the, the folks I know swear by them. You know, it's like, I don't need to go down to the big spots. You know, I got a spot, you know, a mile from my house. Well, you know, if you go to a local's place or a couple of local's places, I, I use a comparison to the old TV show Cheers. 
because a good manager, good employees at the casino, they want to know their customers. And so they start learning who you are, calling you out by name, finding out, you know, personal things about you, about yourself and your family. And you feel real comfortable going into a place where, you know, like Cheers, you say, everybody knows your name. And uh, so uh, I, I go to places like Sunset Station and Green Valley Ranch that are close to my house, the South Point. And, uh, you know, most of the people know me by name. But, of course, I had a slight advantage being in the Las Vegas Review Journal for 20 years. So, But, uh, you know, still, it's it's nice to be recognized when I go into these places. So you, you, you're kind of like the norm. Instead, it's rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of like a poor man's norm. <laughs> well, l- l- let's get to Friday's uh, a big one, uh, the, the uh, grade one, $1.2 million uh, Kentucky Oaks. Uh, I, I know that, uh, you know, that there, there's other horses to bet, but let's face it, it Rising to the top, or Swiss Skydiver and Gamine. I think Gamine's going to be favored, um, but I think there's a little bit more value, although the odds won't be huge, on Swiss Skydiver because of her experience at distance, her experience in Kentucky, and the fact that she's mostly stabled there, but she also travels well if she has to. Uh, you know, uh, I just like the, her seasoning. She's got nine starts under her belt. Gamine's got four, but boy, she's been spectacular. The way she won the Acorn uh, at Belmont and and the Test at Saratoga were stunning, and really was never asked for her best in either. Yeah, Gamine seems to be a real special sort, and uh, you know, you know, one of my angles for uh, you know picking on a race, big race day like this, uh, I did pick Gamine. First and the Swiss skydiver second. The fact that sometimes uh, I don't know whether the track superintendents do it by accident or on purpose. A lot of times on big race days, the main track plays more towards speed. And if that was if that is the case on Friday, and you know you'll know certainly this is race twelve on the card. You'll know if the main track's playing the speed or not. Uh, Gamine has a big tactical advantage because she's just going to gun out to the front. I don't think that anybody's real interested in going head to head with her because that would be what I call a suicide mission. And uh, if I'm Tyler uh, Gaffleyon on uh, Swiss Skydiver, I think he can get actually a, just a beautiful trip just letting Gamine go and just sitting, you know, second, third, fourth on the rail behind her. And then, uh, you know, as they go around the far turn, he'll he'll uh, he'll test her. He'll try to test her uh, as, they, as they turn for home. But, it, it, you know, it, as long as the two don't duel, I, I have an almost impossible time thinking they're not going to run one, two in either order. Exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, I got respect for speech, and uh, my, my friend Ed Meyer made uh, a, a good case for uh, uh, Donna Valachi, who's, you know, mm-hmm. nice odds. But, uh, again, not the biggest field, and and I think those two are the standouts. Uh, you know, hey, if you're playing pick threes or pick fours, you put them both in, and, and you don't worry about it. Now, on, on either the Oaks or the Derby undercard, was there a race that – tickled Riching's fancy? Well, when I did my uh, handicapping, uh, I actually did a, a value play on each day, and I'd be more than happy to share it with the folks uh, what I consider a value play on Friday and a value play on Saturday. Uh, on Friday, uh, take a look at the... Uh, I'm trying to move with one hand here to get my paper shuffle. I know. In the it, second know. race... <laughs> in the second race, it's a maiden uh, race at uh, uh, 
at uh, Churchill, and there's a ton of first-time starters. And a horse that uh, some of the Cocker reports are really giving very high numbers to is the number 12, Super Sport, uh, being uh, trained by uh, Ignacio uh, Correas and it's Javier Castellano to ride, but you see all those bullet works in Keeneland. Uh, what I read about uh, this this horse uh, is she's uh, really working great and really fast. So uh, she's uh, a square price at nine to two. Uh, a lot of times, firsters get bet a little little extra because of the the clocker reports. But if I can get like seven to two, uh, I might go with the steam. In Vegas, we have a term. Uh, Follow the money, and if the money shows up on a horse like this, uh, that might still be a, a, a good angle there. As far as a, a value play on Saturday, a good uh, friend of both yours and mine is uh, Mr. McPeak, uh, Kenny McPeak, who has Swiss Skydiver. But uh, in race number seven on Saturday, he's got Signalman running, and Signalman has been knocking heads against a lot of really good animals and a lot of tough spots, and uh, finally, finally runs in an optional claimer. And uh, the morning line on Signal Man is eight to one, and I tell you why do I get anything close to eight to one in a spot like this with a big class relief for Signal Man? Um, I'm putting all my chips into the table because uh, I think this horse uh, just looks classier than the rest of me. All right, Signal Man, I'm making some notes here. Uh, <laughs> anybody else that uh, you know in the graded stakes races that you like either day? Well. Um, Let's see. I, I think uh, Chad Brown, uh, a, a horse I've been following, because he hasn't run in a stakes race until this. It's his third race in the cycle. It's a horse called the Digital Age. And uh, I believe he's in the, the, the Bourbon or the, the, the Bourbon Turf Classic or something like that. It's race number 13, but um, he's the number four horse. I think he's 6-1 to one in the morning line. And this is uh, also an angle where Chad Brown has multiple entries. And this is the longer-priced horse. Uh, over the the Chad Browns, so uh, I think Rock Emperor is the other one. But uh, this horse is a nice animal. He he, he won uh, a stakes race uh, at uh, Churchill Downs last year, and uh, in the first two races coming back off the layoff, uh, Chad Brown kind of like treated him with kid gloves, but I think he did it on purpose before jumping into a Grade One. So at six to one, I think Digital Age is a pretty interesting animal in race thirteen. I'm, I'm sorry, what Digital Age did you say? Yeah, Digital Age, the four horse in race number 13 on Saturday. I respect your picks. I'm keeping them in there. Well, Rich, it's uh, about time I got to close the show. You've been there and done that. Uh, Say hi to your beautiful bride, Sandy, for me. And you stay happy and healthy and have a great derby weekend. Um, I'm sure you will, no matter what. I want you and all of your listeners to end Friday and to end Saturday with more money than they started with. And that'll, that'll help uh, fill the pockets. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, we're going to see some great racing. Thanks a lot to Rich Eng, our Vegas insider, and to the kid from Kentucky, if we can call him that. Uh, that would be the man I admire, admire. Don't forget, folks, we've got our free handicapping contest over at winningponies.com, and you can pull down the easy w- uh, wind forms to help you out in these big, big races this weekend. Have a great Derby and Oaks Day, folks, and stay tuned to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.